Geo Sanity. This is the first episode. My name is Peter. Isn't Rinaldi. it a cool name? <laughs> I think we can't be the judge of that. Yes, I think people yeah, yeah, will have yeah. to. <laughs> uh, Playing on religiosity. <laughs> right. <laughs> Having re yes. religiosanity. Religiosanity. I think that that is what, what our world definitely needs. They, know, our world I, needs this. Yeah, Does yeah. the podcast world need this that's the I, question. I don't know let us see you know but <laughs> i definitely think uh, that, that the world needs yes. a little bit of religious oh god what they have is the exact opposite yes yeah like. yeah because people are coming with a uh, without knowing that much about religion yes uh, and uh, and then bringing their crazy ideas yes. and misrepresenting the past and so on so yes yeah uh, i i think that without to to any basic education yes, yes. Uh, craziness uh, is simply rampant right. all around us and maybe by way of introduction you should mm -hmm. tell people mm -hmm. reverend stelig about yourself what makes you able to tell us this about uh, <laughs> reverend, <laughs> what, I, what makes I, you? I, I, I partly uh, re don't use that word, reverend Stalik. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I How go would you like in, me to in call church. You? I call myself Pastor Andrew. Okay. Uh, but yes, uh, I, I'm an ordained clergy, uh, and I studied uh, religion uh, in Europe. Uh, most of my education was in Prague at the Charles University. Uh, I studied a seminary there, a Protestant seminary. Five years there and then one year in uh, Edinburgh in Scotland where I dived even deeper into the study of ancient Near East. I was always interested in the study of the uh, religion in general and uh, through that uh, study in Edinburgh, it was uh, then focused even deeper into ancient Near East religion. Uh, so that's that's my background. I got my uh, PhD from Charles University now, like almost three decades ago. You know, in the study of uh, Ugaritic uh, religious literature, and that's partly what we're going to be talking mm -hmm. about today. Yeah, or that might be some of what we might be talking from time to time because right. it's it's absolutely interesting uh, for the deeper and better understanding especially of the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. And let's go mm -hmm. wide a little bit and tell people what is this series going to be about? What would be the reason why people would want to tune in I, I think that we should uh, really try to better understand from the perspective of uh, true academic theology and academic study of religion uh, our own uh, Christian and Jewish and Muslim faith and uh, occasionally probably will comment also on the current events and other things but uh, truly giving it an reasonably deep dive into uh, understanding of the sources uh, where certain phenomena might be coming from uh, and how say uh, certain biblical passages or 
maxims of Christian theology are misunderstood or mislabeled and, and so on, yeah. and trying to return it, put it back on track. And I think that the listener should uh, look toward me to be, I, I'm the ultimate lay person. I'm interested in mm -hmm. theology. I am not a, a theologian in any way, but my interest is what yeah. is is yeah. keeps this uh, and we'll, thank we'll you very much going. yeah, and, yeah. And, and please feel free to ask questions anytime yes. and I must have here some disclaimers as well uh, I said uh, I, I received my PhD but that has been as I mentioned uh, several decades ago since then I've been a pastor in different churches uh, and uh, as much as I'm trying to stay current and definitely follow journals and, and um, published theological literature, um, I'm not academic mm. uh, proper. You know, I'm right. not a professor, I'm not teaching at any university or seminary. Uh, I will be bringing to it certain flavor of a yeah. person who is down on the ground uh, and right. is trying to cope with certain misconceptions and misunderstandings and kind of be like a bridge or interpreter between uh, academic theology or the world of academic uh, study of religion and everyday life. Wonderful. Yeah. Now let's get into what we're mm -hmm. going to be talking about today. Yeah, uh, so I, I studied, as I said, uh, theology in Prague uh, at the Charles University, uh, the theological, uh, Protestant Theological Seminary there uh, for five years, uh, and uh, then one year in Edinburgh. And e already in Prague, I got interested in studying more the uh, Hebrew Bible and uh, its historical background. Uh, I was given uh, uh, like a um, paper to write on the fire in the Hebrew Bible or something like that. I think mm -hmm. it was uh, like semestral paper. Uh, and I, wa I, I started to study the, the, the terminology in the Hebrew Bible, but I also went and uh, looked into other groups around uh, Israel uh, or ancient Judean kingdom uh, and discovered uh, in Prague this uh, uh, literature from Ugarit or uh, Ugarit, it occasionally is pronounced in English. And uh, so already in Prague I, I became aware of it. And then when I landed in Edinburgh, Scotland, uh, there was a professor who was teaching uh, Ugaritic literature, he just moved there from Glasgow. Uh, his name uh, is uh, Nicholas Wyatt. And so I became his student there for a year, uh, really learning the basics of Ugaritic literature uh, and uh, a language first. And then returning home back to Prague, uh, I continued and uh, prepared my dissertation, which was a translation of like one third of that literature from Ugarit, and then uh, uh, got my PhD and eventually published the translation, Czech translation mm. of uh, uh, religious literature from Ugarit. Uh, I think it was the first comprehensive translation into Czech. Uh, in English there are many translations now but uh, 
this was the first translation. And why this interesting is uh, that right now we are celebrating roughly like 90 years of discovery of that uh, literature, oh, which wow. was written so on cuneiform tablets, uh, you know, clay tablets, uh, using stylus, uh, pressing uh, those signs on clay like you have in Babylon or uh, Sumeria. But this was a slightly different system. Uh, in, in Babylon in or Sumeria, they'll use syllabic script. Uh, whole syllables will be ah. written. While over here in Ugarit, it was a consonantal script. Individual letters or consonants will be written with these uh, cuneiforms. Uh, pressed into that clay so it's a little easier it's a language similar it's a Semitic language similar to uh, biblical Hebrew I 90 see. years ago they discovered this un up until not then uh, unknown place wow. uh, only later they learned its name that it was Ugarit uh, uh, from from the writings uh, and uh, like on the second day of uh, digging, archaeological digging there uh, in, in May uh, 1929, uh, they, discovered, uh, they discovered cuneiform tablets written in a strange cuneiform script uh, yeah. they did not know before. And that was an epochal uh, yeah. discovery because up until then no one assume that uh, people in the region were literate. Mm. You know, they, they knew about Sumerians, they knew about Akkadians or Babylonians, Assyrians, uh, and so on. Uh, but uh, Hittites, but no one was assuming that in Middle East, right there by the Mediterranean Sea, so-called Canaanites, that's one of the way of referring to those people, that they were literate. And here were literature, here, here were big tablets uh, written in, in an then unknown language, an unknown script. So that was uh, just absolutely unique uh, situation 90 years ago. And very quickly they were able actually to decipher uh, that script and hmm. recognize that it is a Semitic language and, and start studying it. Hmm. So within a year or so, by October uh, 1930, the bulk of the script was really deciphered. Wow. Is that because of it so it's so close to Hebrew? Is uh, that why? That might be it, uh, but uh, no, uh, interestingly, uh, you know, those who were involved with deciphering that language uh, were cipherists from the World War One, huh. uh, French and German. <laughs> huh. and, and they simply put uh, their knowledge of deciphering wow. uh, codes, yeah. <laughs> uh, military codes, uh, they put it into use uh, for science. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, some good luck and good gases mm. uh, uh, helped them to, to decipher it relatively quickly. Mm -hmm. Through reading that literature, it became clear and clear that, uh, and through archaeology, that this is datable. Mm. You know, that Ugarit was unknown until 1929. Yeah. It was, it ceased to exist and 
it was abandoned at the end of Bronze Age. So we have almost like in Ugarit, we have a religious, cultural, societal snapshot, which right. uh, simply we know when it stopped. Mm. You know, what is that frozen image we mm. have in front of us? And that means that this is something like 1200 before common era. Mm. Uh, 1,200 plus minus few years, but and that is uh, just absolutely perfect. Mm. Uh, with the Bible, the, that's a, that was for very long time a living organism or living literature. So you know there are definitely old layers of the biblical text, but you know oral tradition and editions and, and new writings and, and so on. So it is almost impossible to date anything in the Hebrew Bible. You know, you can say very, very broad ah. uh, period of time. You, you know, like the beginning of it might be dated as far as what I just mentioned about Ugarit. You know, but uh, the newest uh, parts and the last editing touches, who knows when they were mm. made? There, there are people and theologians who are saying that oh, it's it's even younger than New Testament, mm. and th there might be a point into it. Mm. You know, not necessarily the bulk writing, but yeah. final editing uh, might go. Be as new as that, you know, mm. so uh, or as recent as that. And why did this Ugarit period end? Uh, it it ended in uh, in catastrophe. Uh, we still don't know exactly what was precisely the the demise of that city. It was a large uh, uh, trading uh, maritime. Uh, uh, city uh, to compare it with something would be like Liverpool mm. or Hamburg in Germany. Mm. Uh, they were involved in uh, bronze trading mostly, but many other goods uh, were passing through Ugarit. And uh, then uh, with the end of the Bronze Age, uh, there, there were these sea people, that crisis of sea people and collapse of Bronze Age, it's called. Uh, uh, so Ugarit was definitely uh, kind of uh, hit by that. Uh, there were also earthquakes, but most likely it was simply sacked as a t uh, city mm. and abandoned and never recovered. Mm. And uh, this uh, migration of, of people coming from Aegean, most likely, uh, or Asia Minor, uh, and uh, driven, again, kind of those are guesses, but uh, driven by climatic change or prolonged drought, uh, it it, it really, the society collapsed. Mm -hmm. uh, the Bronze Age society uh, around Mediterranean, especially uh, Eastern Mediterranean, completely collapsed. Mm. And Ugarit was part of that collapse. Mm. So we have like a date more or less precise right. where, this, uh, where this finished. Interesting. You know, so it's like a snapshot, right. which is helpful.
yeah. because then it helps for for understanding and dating things. Right. Uh, and um, uh, from religion point of view, it's interesting because it presents uh, an version of an Semitic religion, uh, Northwest Semitic religion, in its polytheistic form. So in the Bible, it is predominantly uh, monotheistic, the Northwest Semitic religion. But here we have uh, the stage which preceded that. So it didn't, doesn't precede it by that much, mm -hmm. and there's a polytheistic religion mm -hmm. right yes. there in that same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you so meet there. Did 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 before this discovery did we even consider that that was happening so close in time? Yes, yeah, yeah. But because in the Bible you have uh, references to Baal or as in English it is sometimes pronounced Baal, you know, that God which is main rival to Yahweh or Adonai. And you have uh, prophets standing against Asherah, the goddess, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and so on and so forth. So many of the deities uh, which are part of these religious texts in Ugarit uh, were known. Uh -huh. uh, but they were known through criticism, right? Through uh, biblical opposition to it, right? But here we have, and they were known f uh, from inscriptions here and there, mm. some references in Egypt because you know Semitic people were all over the place, and they, they migrated down to Egypt. Not only Israelites were there, but they clearly there were Canaanites there as well, uh, and. Hittites and, and Babylonians uh, also preserved some of the names of the people and names of deities because in names of people you have names of deities as well mm. because they gi gave them names uh, after the patron deities or gods or goddesses and so on. So they were known but not really extensively their myths the stories about those gods mm -hmm. uh, and uh, legends. So that that was really very eye-opening and really this century has been a learning curve of you know how to process that because first step was of course looking there for biblical characters so they were looking for right. David or uh, Abraham uh, uh, and, 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 and so on, you, you know, and they were finding it there or they thought that they were finding it there and, and, and so on and so forth. But, but is uh, it there? Are uh, they there? No, not really. There, are, there, there is, for instance, some biblical characters uh, you can identify or similar names like mm. Daniel, like oh. Daniel, oh. you know, for instance, uh, and, and clearly much older versions of those stories because Daniel in the Bible is very very late yeah uh, while here we are back in uh, like 13th century or 12th century before coming era yeah. <laughs> so it's very very old yeah and and you have here this character uh, appearing uh, so those are uh, those are some similarities but that's actually not what is interesting more interesting is to, to really study that religion and uh, observe that 
in its polytheistic form. And that is what is also a major paradigm shift in our understanding of ancient Near Eastern religion. Before it was, uh, here are the Canaanites, they are enemies of the people of God, here, is, uh, here are the people of God mm. who got revelation of Yahweh and were liberated from Egypt and, and so on. And, uh, and, and here is the written biblical text, you know, like three groups, yeah. you know, and the biblical, uh, biblical text and biblical religion is drawing from that uh, Israelite and Judahite uh, religion, uh, but is even pure. Mm. You know, and has nothing to do with uh, that Canaanite religion. It's in, in open opposition to it. And now with these texts, we actually realize that all these three parts, uh, what I call as a shorthand Canaanite religion, simply the polytheistic religion of, of the cities uh, of Bronze Age around uh, Mediterranean uh, sea basin. Uh, so their polytheistic religion overlaps substantially with uh, what we are learning more and more through archaeology about uh, Israelite religion and, mm. and Judahite religion and to a large extent is reflected and um, maybe opposed but still present in the Hebrew Bible in the biblical text wow. so they substantially overlap and that's that main uh, paradigm shift that we actually realize that our the roots of our faith are actually branches of this Canaanite religion. So, so, so that's pretty. That's pretty crazy because, and this might be a dumb question, but there are no no dumb, dumb questions question. here. All right. <laughs> Does this mean that beginnings of even the Hebrew Bible might 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 have been more polytheistic than we even? Like, in other words, the monotheistic aspect of it might have come much later mm -hmm. than we even realized because of, because of discovering this text. Um, th th that is a way to describe it, perhaps. Uh, I, I would uh, say it slightly differently. I, I think that uh, in the Bible we have ample examples that the prophets are uh, upset and are uh, chastising their own people for um, reverting back to polytheism, mm -hmm. you know, uh, mm -hmm. or to old ways. Uh, I, I think that that is like a prophetic shorthand again. Uh, simply, the people live their religion; they they inherited from their environment. Yeah, they kept many of these practices and. Uh, only through efforts of theologians and prophets uh, it, it was uh, somehow narrowed more towards what we have in the Bible. Mm. So, uh, like, you know, people believe what they want to believe. <laughs> you know, yeah. They don't go to theologians to tell them, or they, they listen to them, but in their everyday life they have their own inherited practices and uh, rituals uh, partly shaped and informed say by churches but they have their own right. and uh, and they have big uh, inertia 
behind them, you know, cultural inertia, uh, which which propels and carries them across generations. So I think that something like that was happening down there, where prophets were trying to reform it uh, in in their own way, while people were simply carrying on <laughs> their uh, their old faiths and only slowly adjusting uh, to, to changing times mm. and changing theological emphasis. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that, that's one of the ways of looking at it. Maybe it's important to talk a little bit about why it's even important to dive into this stuff archaeologically. Because, it, because you're a pastor in a church, mm -hmm. people come to this church for spiritual reasons and for, mm -hmm. for other mm -hmm. reasons. And we chastise fundamentalists for trying to hold on to some kind of mm -hmm. historical thing onto this mythical mm -hmm. story. And yet, what you're talking about is like, isn't that the other side of the coin of this? Of uh, trying it, it can be, but uh, you, you know, with uh, just study of uh, Ugarit, say, you know, or other uh, ancient uh, literatures from Sumer, uh, Babylonia, uh, people study that regardless. I, I think that it is simply part of our calling uh, as, as human beings to try to understand the past and try to uh, understand it as, uh, as much as we can. So it is true that early on very many theologians simply because of the proximity to Bible and so on were involved with all these uh, studies of uh, ancient cultures and religions. Uh, but over the time there was this movement of liberating it actually from, uh, from those shackles or concerns about interpreting the Bible. Uh, we need to keep our eyes as clear and open as, as possible, uninfluenced, not influenced by uh, our theological or religious desires. Mm. That had been for a very long time a problem in the study of ancient Near East literature. Uh, that there, there was this desire, ideological desire, uh, to either prove or disprove the Bible. Mm -hmm. So we try to do it as, as objectively as possible. And uh, that, that's one thing. So it is almost like an academic discipline, really. Yeah. You, you know, uh, study of the language, study of the literature, study of the culture, study of the society, and, and so on. Uh, it is still overloaded. You just ask any uh, uh, archaeologist who is digging in Israel these days, and they would tell you that uh, you know this uh, uh, Christian Jewish ideological desire is so prevalent that it's limiting to some degree their freedoms, mm. and put into it also that. Uh, the history has been utilized uh, in a predominantly from 19th century onwards to justify the state of Israel. Right. And th that's an added supra load of ideological <sighs> desires yeah. which are coming to it. So yeah. uh, 
they they are in a, in a very very tight sp uh, place very often you know yeah. so trying to put this as much aside you know yeah. uh, stop paying attention what it or knowing about it but uh, trying not to allow it to influence uh, your your understanding of uh, of the subject yeah. before uh, is 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 important, you know, and uh, so that that's a, that's another dimension of it. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't think that we are trying to, uh, uh, yeah, there is an attempt to understand the past, and understand the past really without uh, those. Uh, I I'll now call it uh, religious or ideological prejudices you know, agendas which are yeah. coming and those are uh, Jewish, they are Christian and they are maybe secular but driven by uh, uh, justification of the state of Israel as, as a place of or cradle of the Jewish people. Mm -hmm. And and all of that is being challenged to different degrees uh, really by archaeology, by the study of, of, of uh, ancient Near East because uh, the, the picture, say, the study of Ugarit uh, is bringing forward uh, is more complex, mm -hmm. more diverse uh, uh, view of, of the history. I, I just mentioned that, you know, it is not us against them, you know, us believers of one God against yeah. them, uh, believers of Baal and Asherah and, and so on. Uh, it, it was more complex. It was mutually permeating each other, uh, influencing one another, and and the study of that is uh, eye-opening and actually brings me to deeper tolerance, uh, mm. openness towards the other. Mm. Uh, led me from being rather conservative Christian into being more open-minded mm. and uh, progressive liberal Christian uh, simply by realizing how complex all that image is yeah you know that's that I'm, I'm glad we started with with this if it changed you mm -hmm. in that way it's an it's a nice thing foundational thing to to build on but if somebody wanted to learn more about mm -hmm. Ugaritic yes. literature and stuff like that where where would they start there, there are translations uh, into English a uh, number of those uh, so that, that's one of the things uh, you can go and study that uh, in in uh, at in universities until recently, uh, Mark Smith uh, was professor of uh, ancient writings uh, at a, a New York University mm. here. Uh, I visited him with my friend and colleague who is a professor of uh, Hebrew Bible in Prague. Mm. Uh, now he is uh, uh, in Princeton Seminary. I think, but uh, you can go if if you look into it, you can go and study it uh, in in certain schools. Uh, very good preparation for that would be to to have some basics uh, in some other Semitic languages, right. uh, so modern Hebrew or biblical ancient Hebrew, 
or Arabic mm -hmm. or something like that. Uh, you know, I I never really follow the academic path. Uh, if I had done so, I would probably go and try to learn some Hittite language uh, or something like that, you know, so that it will be a little broader. Right. You know, because I did not go that direction, I, I was kind of happy to, to end with Ugaritic uh, language. Yeah. You know, and, and these days it is unfortunate because it's, uh, it's in modern Syria. We should probably say where Ugarit oh. is right now. Yeah. So it is uh, right beneath the border with Turkey. So oh, it wow. is uh, on the Mediterranean seashore. Uh, next to uh, the modern port uh, Latakia and if you look at the map it's uh, more or less where the finger of Cyprus is pointing towards the shore uh, of Mediterranean Sea. So there is uh, the place of Rosh Shamra uh, or Ugarit. You know, that's another name for, yeah. uh, for Ugarit. Do you do you think, without knowing it, that that people? This is a weird question. That people they think that they're they're worshiping one god, but they're worshiping many gods. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm basically, I'm asking: Is Baal still around? Baal is Baal still around? Very good question. Yeah, uh, you, you know. Interestingly, Baal is certainly pre presented in the Hebrew Bible as an enemy of the faith. Mm. But at the same time, disguised or without his name huh. is, is present. Uh, huh. Because many of the attributes of God Baal and even whole Psalms which could easily be sang in those polytheistic societies mm. to Baal. Right. They're in the Hebrew Bible reassigned to the Adonai, mm. uh, to to Yahweh. Yeah. Uh, to to the Lord. Right. So, uh, for instance, uh, one psalm about uh, the god of storm and peeling the bark from trees and breaking cedars like uh, matches, you know, I'm now paraphrasing, yeah. is exactly almost word for word what one would easily imagine being an psalm or song or religious uh, huh. hymn in huh. in the temple of Baal huh. so uh, if you ask this way I would say yes uh, <laughs> under different name or right. you know subsumed into our religion yeah it, it, it is still present wow. yeah. well this has been very interesting pastor Andrew Thank you. Thank you. We are bringing religiosity to the modern world. See you next time.